Welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 43. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing risk management in the airplane. Stay tuned for all this and more in Squawk 5353. Before we begin this week's episode, I'd like to encourage you to consider donating to my Patreon. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a way for you to financially support the show. This show takes a lot of time each week to write, research, record, and edit. It would mean the world to me if you went over to my Patreon and donated to the show. Another way for you to support the show is by subscribing to this podcast and whatever listening app you are using. That way, new episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. But now back to today's main topic, risk management in the airplane. Before we jump in and talk about mitigating risk in the cockpit, it's important to understand the definition of both risk and a hazard. By definition, a hazard is a present condition, event, object, or circumstance that could lead or contribute to an unplanned or undesired event, such as an accident. It is a source of danger. Four very common aviation hazards, which are good examples, are a nick on the propeller braid, improper refueling of the aircraft, pilot fatigue, and use of unapproved hardware on an aircraft. First, you must be able to recognize the hazard. Recognizing hazards is critical to beginning the risk management process. Sometimes, one should look past the immediate condition and project the progression of the condition. This ability to project the condition into the future comes with experience, training, and observation. For the examples we used, a nick on the propeller blade is a hazard because it can lead to a fatigue crack, possibly resulting in the loss of a propeller. Improper refueling of an aircraft is a hazard because improperly bonding or grinding the aircraft creates static electricity that can spark and start a fire. Pilot fatigue is a hazard because the pilot may not realize that he or she is too tired to fly until serious errors are made. And for our fourth example, the use of unapproved hardware on aircraft poses problems because aviation hardware is tested prior to use in an aviation environment. This means it might be testing the hardness, brittleness, malleability, ductility, elasticity, toughness, density, fusibility, conductivity, and contraction and expansion. If pilots do not recognize a hazard and choose to continue, the risk involved is not managed. However, no two pilots see hazards in exactly the same way, making prediction and standardization of hazards a challenge. So the question remains, how do pilots recognize hazards? The ability to recognize a hazard is predicated upon personality, education, and experience, as mentioned before. First and foremost, you have personality. Personality can play a large part into the manner in which hazards are gauged. People who might be reckless in nature take this on board to the flight deck. In an article published in August of 2006 in the issue of Commercial and Business Aviation titled Accident-Prone Pilots, Dr. Patrick Violet notes the research shows one of the primary characteristics exhibited by accident-prone pilots was their disdain towards rules. Similarly, other research by Dr. Susan Baker and her team of statisticians at the Johns Hopkins School for Public Health found a very high correlation between pilots with accidents on their flying records and safety violations on their driving records. 
The article brings forth the question of how likely it is that someone who drives with disregard of the driving rules and regulations will then climb into an aircraft and become a role model pilot. The article goes on to hypothesize that for professional pilots, the financial and career consequences of deviating from standard procedures can be disastrous, but can serve as strong enough motivators for the natural-born thrill-seekers. Next, you have education. The adage that one cannot teach an old dog new tricks is simply false. In the mid-1970s, airlines started to employ Crew Resource Management, or CRM, in the workplace. The program helped crews recognize hazards and provided tools for them to eliminate the hazard or minimize its impact. Today, the same type of thinking has been integrated into Single Pilot Resource Management, or SRM, programs. Next, you have experience. Experience is the knowledge acquired over time and increases with time as it relates to association with aviation and accumulation of experiences. Therefore, can inexperience be constructed as a hazard? Inexperience is a hazard if an activity demands experience of a high skill set and the inexperienced pilot attempts that activity. An example of this would be a wealthy pilot who can afford to buy an advanced avionics aircraft but lacks the experience needed to operate it safely. On the other hand, a pilot's experience can provide a false sense of security, leading the pilot to ignore or fail to recognize a potential hazard. Hazards are dangerous but are often avoidable. Although not all pilots have the same experience, there still are some tools to help with hazard awareness. First and foremost, you have advisory circulars. Advisory circulars, or ACs, provide non-regulatory information for helping comply with 14 CFR. They amplify the intent of the regulation. For example, Advisory Circular 90-48, Pilot's Role in Collision Avoidance, provides information about the amount of time it takes to see, react, and avoid an oncoming aircraft. For instance, if two aircraft are flying towards each other at 120 knots, that is a combined speed of 240 knots. The distance that two aircraft are closing in at each other is about 400 feet per second. If the aircraft are one mile apart, the time it takes for them to meet is about 12.5 seconds. The advisory circular then goes into more detail about understanding the dangers of converging aircraft. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of advisory circulars available to every pilot to access free on the FAA website. While not all of them apply to you as a private pilot or an instrument pilot, it still is a good idea to make sure that you're staying up to date on all the information that you might need to know as a pilot. Next, we have to define risk. Risk is the future impact of a hazard that is not controlled or eliminated. It can be viewed as future uncertainty created by the hazard. If it involves skill sets, the same situation may yield a different risk. Going back to our original situations, for number one, if the nick of the propeller is not properly evaluated, the potential for propeller failure is unknown. For our second example, if the aircraft is not properly bonded and grounded, and there is a buildup of static electricity that can spark and start a path of fire, one should understand the risk associated with that behavior. Going to our third example, a fatigued pilot is not able to keep up with their well-rested counterparts. And finally, for our fourth example, the owner of a home-built aircraft decides to use bolts from a local hardware store that cost less than the recommended hardware. It looks the same and appears to be a perfect match to attach and secure the aircraft wings. The potential for the wings to detach during flight is unknown. As the pilot in command, you must be able to understand how to manage your risks. Risk is the degree of uncertainty. An examination of risk management yields many definitions, but it is a practical approach to managing uncertainty. 
When armed with the predicted assessment of an activity, pilots are able to manage and reduce or mitigate their risk. Take the use of the improper hardware from a home-built aircraft for construction. Although one can easily see both the hazard is high and the severity is extreme, it does take the person who is using these bolts to recognize the risk. Managing risk takes discipline in separating oneself from the activity at hand in order to view the situation as an unbiased evaluator versus acceptability. Risk management is unique to each and every individual since there are no two people who are exactly alike in their skills, knowledge, training, and abilities. An acceptable level of risk to one pilot may not necessarily be the same to another pilot. Unfortunately, in many cases, the pilot perceives that his or her level of risk acceptability is actually greater than their capability, therefore taking on risk that is dangerous. Risk management is a decision-making process designed to systemically identify hazards and assess the degree of risk. Once risks are identified, they must be assessed. The risk assessment determines the degree of risk, negligible, low, medium, or high, and whether the degree of risk is worth the outcome of the planned activity. If the degree of risk is acceptable, the planned activity may then be undertaken. Once the planned activity is started, however, consideration must be given to whether to continue. Pilots must have viable alternatives available in the event of the original flight cannot be completed or accomplished as planned. Thus, hazard and risk are the two defining elements in the risk management. A hazard can be a real or perceived condition, event, or circumstance that a pilot encounters. The hazards a pilot face and those that are created through adverse attitude predispose his or her actions. Predisposition is formed from a pilot's foundation of beliefs and therefore affects all decisions he or she makes. These are known as hazardous attitudes and are explained in more detail in the pilot's handbook of aeronautical knowledge. A key point must be understood about risk. Once the situation builds in complexity, it exceeds the pilot's capability and requires luck to succeed and prevail. Unfortunately, when a pilot survives a situation above his or her normal capability, perception of the risk involved and the ability to cope with that level of risk becomes skewed. The pilot is encouraged to use the same response to the same perceived level of risk, viewing any success as due to skill, not luck. The failure to accurately perceive the risk involved and level of skill, knowledge, and abilities required to mitigate that risk may influence the pilot to accept that level of risk or manage higher levels. Many in the aviation community would ask why the pilot did not see this action as a dangerous maneuver. The aviation community needs to ask questions and develop answers to these questions. What do we need to do during the training and education of pilots to enable them to perceive these hazards as risks and mitigate the risk factors? Or why was this pilot not trained to ask for an approach clearance and safely fly an approach or turned around and divert to another airport with better weather? Most observers view this approach as not only dangerous, but also lacking common sense. To further understand actions like these, we must look at the human factor. The study of human behavior is an attempt to explain how and why humans function the way they do. A complex topic, human behavior is a product of both innate human nature and of individual experience and environment. Definitions of human behavior abound depending on the field of study. In the scientific world, Human behavior is seen as the product of factors that cause people to act in predictable ways. The Federal Aviation Administration, or FAA, utilizes studies of human behavior in an attempt to reduce human error in an aviation. Historically, the term pilot error has been used to describe an accident in which the action or decision made by the pilot 
was the cause or the contributing factor that led to the accident. This definition also includes the pilot's failure to make a correct decision or take proper action. From a broader perspective, the phrase human factors related more aptly described to these accidents. A single decision or event does not lead to an accident, but a series of events, the resultant decisions together form a chain of events leading to an outcome. Many of these events involve an interaction of flight crews. Human error may indicate where in the system a breakdown occurs, but it provides no guidance as to why it occurs. The effort of uncovering why pilots make mistakes is multidisciplinary in nature. In aviation, and with pilots in particular, some of the human factors to consider when examining the human role are decision-making, design of displays and controls, flight deck layout, communications, software, maps and charts, operating manuals, checklists, and systems procedures. Any one of the above could be or become a stressor that triggers a breakdown in the human performance that results in a critical human error. Since poor decision-making by pilots, or human error, has been identified as a major factor in many aviation accidents, human behavior research tries to determine an individual's predisposition to taking risks and the level of an individual's involvement in accidents. Drawing upon decades of research, countless scientists have tried to figure out how to improve pilot performance. Is there such thing as an accident-prone pilot? A study in 1951 published by Elizabeth Meckham Fuller and Helen B. Baum from the University of Minnesota determined that there were injury-prone children. The study was comprised of two separate groups of second-grade students. 55 students were considered accident repeaters, and 48 were said to have no accidents. Both groups were from the same school of 600, and their family demographics were similar. The accident-free group showed a superior knowledge of safety and were considered industrious and cooperative with others, but were not considered physically inclined. The accident-repeater group had better gymnastic skills, were considered aggressive and impulsive, demonstrated rebellious behavior when under stress, were poor losers, and liked to be the center of attention. One interpretation of this data, an adult predisposition to serious injury from childhood behavior and environment, leads to the conclusion that any pilot group should be comprised of only pilots who are safely conscious, industrious, and cooperative. Clearly, this is not only an inaccurate inference, but it is impossible to achieve since pilots are drawn from the general population and exhibit all types of personality traits. There have been countless other studies which try to study the human behavior. However, studies of human behavior can help isolate characteristics and behaviors that can lead to poor decision-making by pilots, but studies are not a catch-all and there's always someone who does not fit in or someone who does not abide by the data. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to check out last week's episode where I talk about September aviation news. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, please consider donating to my Patreon. A link to my Patreon can be found in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to all the resources used in today's episode. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to share it with a friend and subscribe to this podcast so that new episodes are automatically downloaded to your device. Again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, and let's make the skies a safer place. <music>